Hello, 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 Miami Dolphins fans. This is Josh Katzker. I wanted to just put a quick note here at the beginning of the episode because I'm still very much under the weather and was not able to get to the studio to record this episode with the brain. Um, but wanted to just remind everybody that you can download, rate, review, and subscribe to the show, the same old Dolphins show, on Apple Podcasts, and that you can also get the show anywhere podcasts are found. And we invite you to visit DolphinsTalk.com every single day to get all of your latest news and information on your Miami Dolphins. Finally, in the show that you're about to hear, the brain talks about the tankathon standings and there was a slight change to those tankathon standings by virtue of the Dallas Cowboys defeating the Los Angeles Rams which had not happened at the time that the brain did the recording so as of right now the Giants Dolphins and Redskins all at 3 and 11 but because of the Dallas Cowboys victory the Giants have are occupying the second spot in the tankathon standings with a strength of schedule of 471 and the Dolphins and Redskins are tied in strength of schedule with at 491 the dolphins occupying the third spot by virtue of having lost to the redskins earlier this season so as the brain breaks down the scenario the best case scenario for the dolphins is actually for the giants to defeat the redskins in that game next week because at that point, the Redskins' strength of schedule will actually end up improving or getting stronger um, by virtue of having played the Giants, who will have won another game. So that's just something to keep in mind. Just a quick little update. Anyway, uh, enjoy the show. If you haven't done so already, make sure that you're following Aaron on Twitter, at AaronTheBrain. I think he's done an excellent job uh, taking care of these last few episodes as I've been under the weather. So I very much appreciate it. And... Thank you for listening. Go Dolphins. Enjoy the show. is up Miami Dolphin fans welcome to another episode of the same old Dolphin show my name is Aaron Katzker aka Aaron the Brain and Josh is still under the weather so I'm flying solo for yet another episode Uh, we're gonna make this one fairly quick because there isn't a whole lot to unwrap with it uh, the Dolphins fall to 3-11, and losing at the New York Giants 36-20 to in a game where it was kind of the tale of two halves, but the Giants' second half was way better than the Dolphins' first half. The Dolphins opened this game up kind of taking control of it, but only went to the locker room at halftime with a 10-7 lead as they left at least six points on the board uh, with a missed field goal early in the first half as well as 
a fourth down and short deep in Giants territory in the first quarter where on a fourth and one, the Dolphins, instead of taking the sure points, well, the perceived sure points on what would have been a chip shot field goal, decided to go for it. And look, I I don't hate the the idea of going for it. And, you know, certainly I think uh, where the Dolphins are at right now, uh, where it's not so much about wins and losses, it's more about putting the foundation of an attitude and a plan in place of, of what you want the team to be. And so they're trying to set the foundation of, look, a fourth and one on the road, Against a bad football team, that's something that we've got to be able to to pick up. And so I don't mind that, especially since, look, if you don't get it, wins and losses don't matter at this point. And in fact, it's better for the tank to, to end up not getting that first down, leave the points on the board. So it's, it's one of those, it's high risk, high reward. Uh, or if you really look, think of think about it, it's they're not really risking much because they're not really playing for anything. I don't know that that's a move that they go to if this is an important game uh, with playoff implications. But nonetheless, they decide to go for it, and it, and it's a you know it's whatever. The thing that I don't like is that if you're trying to go for it there on fourth and one, I hate the play call. You're going up against a Giants defense that is good against the run, terrible against the pass. The Dolphins have a terrible offensive line, no running backs to speak of, and are arguably the worst rushing offense that we've ever seen. Uh, just just horrific at running the football. And you take Mike Gesicki out, you put Durham Smythe and Clive Walford in the game, so you're in your jumbo package, you're in your most predictable run package, and you're just trying to run the ball up the gut. The Giants obviously play the run, and the play just has no shot. It's blown up from the very beginning, and the Dolphins leave points on the board with the turnover on downs. But the Dolphins, that's not the entire story of the first half. The Dolphins looked really good getting the ball down there, and then later in the half were able to convert and get a touchdown pass from Ryan Fitzpatrick to Devontae Parker, a beautiful seam route and a beautiful throw from Fitzpatrick to Devontae Parker on a seam route that was just there time after time after time again in the first half in this game. Uh, so whether he was throwing to Gesicki or to Devontae Parker, it was just, it was pitch and catch as long as Fitzpatrick could put the ball on the money. And in the first half, Fitzpatrick was doing just that the Dolphins on the defensive side of the ball mostly did a great job in the first half save for one play Eli Manning able to hit Golden Tate on a 51 yard touchdown pass a play where the Dolphins are in man cover two and uh, Nick Needham's kind of playing the trail route and gambles on it trying to get a trying to get a pass deflection it looked like he got a hand uh, on the ball got a piece of it but not enough to keep it from Tate Tate catches it and then cruises into the end zone for the biggest play of the first half getting the Giants on the board it would ultimately tie the game at seven and then the Dolphins were able to add a field goal later in the second half but the Dolphins go into halftime with a 10-7 lead. 
and had kind of just really outplayed the Giants the entire first half. And it felt like a game where they could have been up, you know, as many as 20 to as much as 20 to seven, if not at least 16 to seven. But it was just a three point game. And in the second half, Eli Manning set the tone. Uh, The Dolphins were unable to cover the Giants receivers, whether it was Slayton, whether it was Shepard, whether it was Tate, they were continuously getting open in the Dolphins secondary. This Dolphins pass rush was virtually non-existent for the majority of the game. And the Giants were able to get a touchdown to go up 14 to 10. The Dolphins were able to somewhat answer, make it a one point game at 14 to 13 and then backed up to their own end zone. Down by just a point came the biggest turning point in the game. The Dolphins tried to run the ball out of their own end zone with Patrick Laird. Patrick Laird, instead of trying to hit the hole quickly, decides to bounce it outside. Bad, bad mistake. He ends up getting tackled in the end zone for a safety. The Giants would end up scoring a touchdown on the ensuing possession to make it 23 to 13. And it was really all downhill from there as the Dolphins really failed to get anything going on the offensive end and really didn't have an answer for Saquon Barkley, didn't have an answer for the Giants speed at receiver and eventually fell down uh, by as much as 36 to 13 before adding a late score on a a jump ball pass to Devontae Parker late in the game for a nice touchdown reception. Devontae Parker, probably the lone bright spot in this game for the Dolphins. Uh, I guess there were a couple of guys that played fairly well. Nick Needham, you know, look, he had his his moment where he was beat for the touchdown, but also had a nice interception at the end of the first half. Continued to, you know, make plays when challenged, but... The Giants just went after the other side. They went after Nate Brooks, who was starting at corner for the Dolphins, in spite of not even being on the roster <laughs> at the start of the week, was basically was signed off of the Patriots practice squad on Tuesday and was thrust into a starting role. And that's just that's just where the Dolphins secondary is at this point. It's been a been a rough year. Uh, already an inexperienced unit at the start of the season has just gone through injury after injury after injury, and it's just picking guys off the scrap heap every week, and it's finally starting to take its toll as Eli Manning and the New York Giants were able to take advantage. So that was basically the story of the game. As far as positives, uh, I thought uh, Devontae Parker continues to be the sole bright spot. Albert Wilson had his moments. It was nice to see him out there looking shifty. I do think Patrick Laird and Miles Gaskin are are shifty runners. I don't know if there's going to be room for both of them on the team next year. We'll see what the Dolphins do at the running back position via free agency and via the draft. But both of those guys had their moments where you see the potential there, but neither one of those guys appeared to be starting running backs. They appear to be kind of bit players, third down running backs, and they they seem to have a very similar skill set. So I don't know if uh, there will be room for both of them on the roster, but we'll find that out. Uh, I thought both of those guys took advantage of the few opportunities that they had. I really like Patrick Laird's running style of being patient and he's shifty and he can catch the ball out of the backfield and he does some things. I just think, uh, 
you know, it wasn't all his fault on the safety, but you do have to have a little bit of situational awareness that when you're running the ball out of your own end zone, you need to not be looking to bounce it out and try to pick up the 10 yards. You need to make sure that you hit the hole and you get out of the end zone so that you're not giving up a safety. And then uh, you're all, ultimately it's two points and a turnover at that point. The bigger takeaway of this game is that this was a good thing. The Dolphins lose to the New York Giants who are battling the Dolphins for for draft position. So as far as the tankathon standings go, the Giants, the Redskins, and the Dolphins are all tied at 3-11 and 11 now. Uh, the Dolphins nearly got a lot of help from the Washington Redskins who led the Philadelphia Eagles with less than two minutes left in their game, but the Eagles were able to put a late touchdown on the board to defeat the Washington Redskins, dropping them to three and 11. So now the giant, look, the Bengals lose to the Patriots. They, they came out strong. They came out ready to play. It looked like maybe the Patriots had overlooked them a bit. Uh, the Bengals held a 10-7 lead in that game late in the first half, but ultimately, not to anybody's surprise, the Patriots took that game over and ended up winning convincingly. So the Cincinnati Bengals, the Dolphins' opponents next week, are 1-13, and and then the Giants, Redskins, and Dolphins all at 3-11. and And in the updated Tankathon standings, Currently, the Dolphins are still slated to pick fourth, the Giants picking second, the Redskins picking third, and that is all by way of strength of schedule. The Giants' strength of schedule is sitting right now at 461, the Redskins' strength of schedule sitting at 486, and the Dolphins' strength of schedule sitting at 493 right now. If the, if the season was to end, the Dolphins would pick below the Giants and the Redskins. But the good news is, is that the Giants and the Redskins play each other next week and the Dolphins play the Bengals. This is like, this is like a semifinals bracket for the number one pick. So next week is going to be a huge day for the, for the tankathon in determining the draft order. The best case scenario would be the Giants and the Redskins tying, going to 3-11-1, the Dolphins losing to the Cincinnati Bengals, falling to 3-12 and and putting the Bengals at 2-13. and The Bengals at a, currently at a 577 strength of schedule. They are clearly going to have the strongest strength of schedule and therefore won't win any tiebreakers when it comes to draft order, when it comes to having the better pick. So if the Dolphins can beat the Bengals, or if the Dolphins can lose to the Bengals at home, let the Bengals pull off the upset next week in what will likely be the only game this season where the Dolphins will go in as the favorite. If the Dolphins can lose that game and we can get the Giants and Redskins to tie, the Dolphins will have an opportunity going up against the Patriots to lose that game, and then the Bengals would just need to win a home game against the Cleveland Browns, and the Dolphins would get the number one pick. Now, the odds of the Giants and Redskins tying, very, very slim, obviously. So what the Dolphins probably need is they probably want the Giants to win that game And then, because the Giants with the weaker strength of schedule, and the Giants have, 
a game against, let's take a look at the Giants' schedule. After that game, the Giants close out the season with a home game against the Eagles. The Redskins, after that game, close out with a game at the Cowboys. I'm not sure exactly how the strength of schedule is going to pan out. What you know is you want the Cowboys to win the game that they've got currently going on against the Rams. I think looking at it, because the Dolphins have that game looming against the Patriots, I don't think that either of those teams will end up with a stronger strength of schedule than Miami. So the best case scenario probably is for the obvious well the best case scenario is for them to tie but probably have the have the giants win that game and then maybe 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 we're able to eke out a spot over the Washington Redskins Redskins to end up with you know at very worst the number 2 pick but if the dolphins lose out they are at this point, if the Dolphins lose out, are guaranteed to have no worse than the number three pick in the draft. So whether it is the Giants picking second or the Redskins picking second, you got to feel good that neither of those teams are going to want a quarterback. The question is whether or not one of those teams would trade down with a team like whether that's Detroit or Jacksonville or possibly Denver, teams that would be interested in moving up to acquire the services of whichever quarterback does not go number one, which you would you would think it would go to uh, Joe Burrow, who won the Heisman this past weekend, and then the guy left standing would be Tua Tagovailoa, assuming he comes out. And so uh, it will be interesting to see how that plays out. But by losing this game, the Dolphins have improved their odds at both getting the number one pick and getting at least a top three pick. So from that standpoint, this was good news. Uh, the, The negative side of it, the other side of the coin, is that this is as bad as the Dolphins have looked since pre bye week. They, this was, uh, you know, basically shades of what they did early in the season, which was play kind of tight for a half and then absolutely fall apart in the second half. And I just think injuries are mounting and there's just, there's not a whole lot to do. I mean, when you're defending the Dolphins, you know that what you've got to do is you've got to defend Devontae Parker and you got to defend Mike Gesicki. You don't really need to focus a whole lot on the running game. You just got to make sure, really, you just got to make sure that you keep Devontae Parker from picking up a big play down the field because you could live with Mike Gesicki and his couple of, you know, 15 to 20 yard catches that he's going to have in the seams because Mike Kosicki at this point in his career hasn't shown that he can consistently be a guy that can take over a game like the elite tight ends and there are very few of them can do your George Kittles and your Zach Ertz's of the world he is not yet in that caliber so really you just take away Devontae Parker and there's not a whole lot to stopping this Dolphins offense and on the other side of the ball Look, it's just, it's the walking wounded out there in the secondary, and it's a front seven that just, 
doesn't put pressure on the opposing quarterback. And uh, if you've got an elite running back like Saquon Barkley, and that dude is elite. I don't know why he's not getting 25 to 30 touches a game, but he should be because the dude is elite. And if you got a guy like that and the Dolphins not not too adept at stopping the run all year, the, the Dolphins are going to be overmatched. And that's kind of how I saw this thing playing out going into it. In fact, you know, in spite of the fact that the Giants hadn't really played well uh, over the past two months of the season, I just felt like this was going to be a tough matchup for the Dolphins defense, given their problems in the secondary and their problems stopping the run. And I just didn't feel like we, we could do much offensively, you know, unless we were able to get, you know, those big 50, 50 balls from Devonte Parker. And we really only had the one, which was way late in the game on his second touchdown reception, but that's where it leaves the Dolphins. Uh, going into the last two games of the series uh, of the season, the the grind of the rebuild, the tank, whatever you want to call it, the grind of having this take a step back season is almost over. We can almost see the the light at the end of the tunnel, which is the exciting off season that we're gonna have coming up where we're going to have this bevy of draft picks and all of that cap space. And that's when things will really get fun. But I do want to talk about one more thing before I let you go. And before I talk about it, just a reminder to uh, subscribe, like, rate, review us on, uh, you know, whatever app you are using to listen to us, whether you're listening to us on Spotify, on SoundCloud, on iTunes, on Stitcher, whatever you are listening to us, take a second, review us, leave a few words about the podcast. We really appreciate that. And don't forget to check out dolphinstalk.com, your one-stop shop from of all for all things Miami Dolphins. We are proud to be part of the dolphinstalk.com podcast network. So the one other thing, as we start to ramp up, we got two games left in this regular season before uh, we can take a few weeks off and then really get pumped for the draft and for free agency and deciding how we want to build this thing because there's a lot of different ways that we can build this thing and we've got a lot of flexibility so we can go a million different directions. Do we have the right guy in place to build it? I talked about it after the draft. When the Dolphins traded for Josh Rosen, when the Dolphins passed on Dwayne Haskins, I said there's Chris Greer should not be getting a pass on this season. Chris Greer has been here for a decade. And Chris Greer has been part, you know, he has been basically in charge of the draft for uh the better part of a decade. And he should not just be getting a pass because this is his first year as having final say on the roster and being ultimately the, you know, the president of football operations, the GM, whatever you want to call it. I said, when we traded for Josh Rosen, if Josh Rosen didn't pan out, that that was an indictment on Chris Greer. Remember that Chris Greer was here last year when four quarterback, five quarterbacks were coming out of the draft last season. Sam Darnold, Josh Rosen, Baker Mayfield, Josh Allen, and Lamar Jackson. And Chris Greer 
loved him some Josh Rosen. He he got to he got to evaluate all of these quarterbacks. And let, well, let, let, before we even get into Josh Rosen, let's first look at the fact that it is documented at this point that owner Stephen Ross wanted the Dolphins to trade down, acquire more draft picks. Apparently, there was a deal in place offered by the New Orleans Saints. The Saints wanted to trade up. The Dolphins could have traded back, gotten Lamar Jackson, and acquired a first-round pick for next year. And when Stephen Ross pounded his table for that for that move to be made, Chris Greer and Adam Gase shouted him down, laughed him out of the room, and said, no, we don't want Lamar Jackson. And when Josh Rosen and Josh Allen went off the board right before the Miami Dolphins, the Dolphins ended up taking Minka Fitzpatrick. Fast forward to this year's draft. Now all of a sudden Josh Rosen is on the, you know, is on the, uh, the trade block again. And now you've also, in addition to all you had to evaluate coming into the draft the, the previous year, you now have a year of Josh Rosen at the NFL level having a historically bad season with the Arizona Cardinals. And sure, there were built-in excuses but thrown around about the coaching staff and the lack of talent around them, the lack of offensive line. But you knew you had a bad offensive line here. So you, you knew that it's not like you were going to bring Josh Rosen in and suddenly you had you know all the pieces around him to make this a better opportunity for him. You went out and you traded for him anyway. And I get it. You didn't trade a whole lot. You traded a late second, an extremely late second, and a fifth round pick for him. But that's not nothing. That's that's a decent amount of draft capital for a quarterback. And I get it. You don't have to pay him a whole lot of money. So you say, well, if it doesn't work out, this guy, at the very least, he could be our backup or he could be a project. And who knows? Maybe he develops something into the future. Well, here we are now. And I, and I said that if Josh Rosen ended up being a disaster, that that should be an indictment on Chris Greer. Well, you know what? Josh Rosen is a disaster. Not only could he not beat out Ryan Fitzpatrick, but at this point, not only does he not... He, he, right now, he looks like he's not good enough to be the backup on this team going forward. Because at this point, if the Dolphins are going to draft a quarterback next year, you're probably going to keep... Ryan Fitzpatrick, and then and then also have that rookie quarterback. And whether that rookie quarterback is ready to step in day one or not, you're going to have that rookie and, and Ryan Fitzpatrick here. So it looks like they're going to end up having given away a second and a fifth for Josh Rosen, only to cut him less than a year later. Secondly, they could have drafted Dwayne Haskins this year. But they elected to pass on him in the first round to take Christian Wilkins. And Christian Wilkins has been fine. Uh, he has not been dominant by any stretch, but he has shown signs of being a very good defensive tackle in this league. And I, you know that Brian Flores loves him and he does all those intangible things that you like. And you, the hope is that he's going to be a foundational piece for this Dolphins defense going forward. But again, he has not been dominant. And Dwayne Haskins, although he's had his struggles, and there was, you know, most people said coming into the season, this is not a guy that's ready to start right now. But there were all the tools there to 
There was a reason why he was taken in the first round. All the tools were there to project him as being a future franchise quarterback. And for the first time this season, Dwayne Haskins looked like a franchise quarterback this week against the Philadelphia Eagles. And at this point, Dwayne Haskins has been, he hasn't been good, but he's been far better than Josh Rosen. At this point right now, Dwayne Haskins on the season, here's what his numbers look like. He's played in seven games, or he's played in eight games now, and he's got five touchdowns and seven interceptions. He's got a completion percentage around 57%, and he's thrown for, you know, right around 1,200 yards, and that's in eight games played. Josh Rosen this year, in six games played, three games started, has one touchdown pass and five interceptions. His yards per attempt, a measly 5.2, and a quarterback rating of 52.0, a total QBR of 19.4. Right now, Dwayne Haskins, a 61.2 quarterback rating, and I'm going to look up his QBR real quick just to compare it. Because Josh Rosen's 19.4 is really brutal. What I've got here is I've got his QBR coming into today was was at 15.0. So it was actually worse. But after today, I expect that to jump up. But Dwayne Haskins looks to be better than Josh Rosen. And if that's the case, you didn't just pass up on Dwayne Haskins and trade Josh Rosen. I mean, yeah, I mean you you did that, but you you potentially passed up on the opportunity to get your franchise quarterback to trade picks away to get a guy that was essentially here for what? He's gonna be here for nine months before we before we release him? A year before we release him. And so you have to ask yourself going into next year and and the following year. Look, we said, look, if we get the number one pick and it's Tua, you don't have much of a decision to make. It's an easy decision and you don't need to worry about Chris Greer making the right decision or screwing that up. But now that the the equation has changed, you know, with Tua being hurt, Burrow looking like the number one pick and it looking like he's going to end up in Cincinnati, the Dolphins suddenly have a tough decision on their hands as far as what to do about the quarterback position. And do you trust Chris Greer to be the man to make that decision? And I simply don't. And if you say that you do, I don't know how you do. I know that it's not just Chris Greer that's going to be making that decision. They've got the other guys in the, in the front office that they brought in this year. The guy that they got from Kansas City who was part of scouting and drafting Patrick Mahomes. They got the guy, uh, and I believe he was also in, you know, he was in Buffalo before that, and he was, you know, in on getting Josh Allen. So, you know, maybe with his input, we get the right guy. But if that's the guy, well, then why not just promote him and get rid of Chris Greer because this is the guy with the with the track record and Chris Greer just has a track record of being rather meh. So, 
I don't have faith in Chris Greer. And I think at this point, I mean, look, you want to wait and see what happens, how Haskins continues to develop. But I think on the the Josh Rosen decision alone, at this point, when we're going into the draft, I'd feel much more confident if they promoted from within uh, and had the guys that they brought in this offseason to help out in the scouting department and in player development. I'd rather have those guys making the decisions as far as who's going to be the quarterback than Chris Greer, the holdover who's been here for a long time and has one really good draft to show for it. So I'm going to punctuate that uh, this podcast with that. And look, nothing's going to happen over these last two games. And look, honestly, the sense is that there's an overwhelming amount of positivity right now in the Dolphins front office and an overwhelming amount of synergy. And from that point uh, of view, I, I find it rather unlikely that they would make a change at that position. But I think it's food for thought. And I think if they really wanted to look at things critically, uh, that's the move that should be made. I don't think it will be made, but hopefully, regardless of what moves are made in the in the offs or in the in the front office, what really matters is whether they make the right moves in the draft and free agency and only time will tell on that. So for Amplified to Rock, this is Aaron the Brain saying, Let's go Dolphins! Let's lose to the Bengals. It's the Tuable next week. Get ready. Go Dolphins!